0: Here 's a few exciting scenes from tonight 's episode of the Tom Gully show
1: They knew that uh, the, how the how the war was reported would be crucial to the morale of the American people and american soldiers and uh, so there were uh, there were different components in in the reporting of the story you had on the one hand uh, Ernie Pyle uh, and and his fellow correspondents who were out with with the uh the US army and navy and and uh, reporting from the the front lines and and then you had uh, uh, internal efforts uh, to tell the story of the war uh through the through the military and and through the Army Signal Corps, and and uh, uh, that was a big part of the story as well. Due to some violent content,
2: parental discretion is advised. It's time, America. Mr. and Mrs. North of South American, all the ships at sea, let's go to press. So sit back, buckle in, place your tray table in its upright locked position, and get ready for big-time radio, friends. It's time for...
0: It is Saturday, December 7th, 2013, episode 186. I'm Tom Gully, and tonight on The Tom Gully Show, we are so very lucky from time to time to have some of the finest authors discussing their works with us here on The Tom Gully Show, and tonight's show is a perfect example. A Death in San Pietro by Tim Brady is the untold story of legendary war correspondent Ernie Pyle, acclaimed director John Huston, and the fight for Purple Heart Valley. It skillfully weaves the story of two companies of Texas soldiers fighting in World War II and how two different accounts of their captain's death indelibly brought the war back home. Noted author Tim Brady discusses a death in San Pietro tonight on The Tom Gully Show.
1: Let the truth
2: wagon roll Before taking our usual trip to the Green Room, let's discuss three ways we can all help lengthen the war. Here they are. First, Throw away all your extra equipment. Second, don't take care of the equipment and ordnance you have left. Third, waste your field rations. Only eat the parts you like. Well, that's only three ways. But if each and every man and woman in the service indulged in just those three consistently, V-Day would be a far cry indeed. Of course, no no one would act like that on purpose, but unfortunately, we all tend to treat G.I. materiel a little bit like a stepsister. And when you multiply your callousness and wastage a million or more times, it's no longer funny. So let's not help lengthen the war. Let's shorten it by conserving everything we have. Down goes
1: Fraser! Down goes Frazier! Down goes Frazier!
0: You're listening to the Tom Gully Show. All right. We're lucky enough to have with us Tim Brady, an award-winning author who is a regular contributor to PBS documentaries and currently is a writer for History Channel Magazine. After releasing his previous book, 12 Desperate Miles to Very Wide Acclaim, Mr. Brady has followed with his latest work, A Death in San Pietro, which is a largely untold story of how Texas, two legendary figures in mass communications and world war two combined we are so very privileged to have mr tim brady on the program welcome sir to the show
1: thanks for having me
0: i am fascinated by this book and i am also just um love the cover of it by the way which i don't always say to the author but it's 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 a wonderful book how did you come upon uh, the idea to write this and what attracted you to the story
1: uh... well you know it was Basically, through Ernie Pyle, I, I had done my uh, first book, uh, which was about the uh, invasion of North Africa, and, and a portion of it uh, covered uh, uh, the media that was involved, the court war correspondents, including Walter Cronkite. Uh, I, I got interested in war correspondents in general, and, and uh, that led me to Ernie Pyle, and, and I was. In conjunction with that, I was looking. After having done a, a book about North Africa, I was I was interested in doing a book about the uh, campaign in Italy, and and so I I sort of followed Ernie Pyle to uh, to Italy, and and that's where the story came about.
0: Wow, as many uh, Americans back home did uh, at the time, following Ernie Pyle around everywhere. Now, can you describe a little bit for the uninitiated, just to set the stage? Uh, about how folks back home during World War II received word of how it was going. It you know, regardless of what people have seen in the movies, it was not always going well. And how important that communication was to the war effort at the time.
1: Well, it was it was crucial, really, to the war effort, and and that was understood uh, not only by reporters and and uh, newspaper editors, but. But by the powers that be in washington uh they they knew that uh the how the how the war was reported would be crucial to the morale of the American people and american soldiers and uh so there were uh, there were different components in in the reporting of the story you had on the one hand uh, Ernie Pyle uh, and and his fellow correspondents who were out with with the uh, the US army and navy and and uh, reporting from the the front lines and and then you had uh, uh, internal efforts uh, to tell the story of the war uh, through the the, through the military and and through the army signal corps and and uh uh, that was a big part of the story as well
0: well uh i'm kind of jumping ahead of myself here but since you you lighted upon it so well and so skillfully like you do in your book i'm not going to hide the fact that i am a tremendous fan of your work i love 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 this book i too am a fan of media (laughs) and the war correspondent story which uh, is being told more and more often Um, But another character in the book might just be uh, the strange bedfellows of Hollywood and the Department of Defense. You have huge, huge players in Hollywood that are trying to tell stories. And then the political and military sort of uh, aspects that are, are guiding what they're doing, influencing it. Can you go a little bit more detail about... Uh, sort of the balance that had to be struck between the demands of the government and their ability to actually make these these documentaries for propaganda purposes.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I found that an interesting piece of the the story as well. Uh, it there were there were uh, legendary Hollywood names involved in the war effort, uh, including names like Frank Capra. And John Ford; these are Hollywood directors of the of the period. I mean, the the premier Hollywood directors. They were enlisted or enlisted themselves early on in the war effort, and they were drawn into uh, uh, the the telling of the story. and And Capper's case, Capper is a figure in this book. He was he was called to Washington and and uh, went directly to the top of the uh, uh, military effort, straight to the office of George Marshall, and was given the uh, the charge of creating some documentary films. This is early in 1942 uh, that would uh, that would help uh, uh, convince the American people who. Uh, and, and again, American soldiers that that this was a necessary war, that there was an evil to be fought, and that and that uh, Americans uh, had to uh, be involved in body and soul. And and this you, we have to remember that uh, that prior to the war there was a there was a, a great deal of anti-war sentiment, and and Marshall's concern was that that there would be a carryover of that, uh, and that you know he 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 said to Capra at one point his that his his concern was that uh that two years into the war after it had begun that there'd be American soldiers fighting in some uh, far distant land wondering what they were doing there that uh, that that they had to be certain they had to know that they were fighting for something, and so Capra was given the charge of making these films um that was uh, that was just one part of the effort, uh, uh, but but Capra brought in some other Hollywood talent, including John Huston, who uh, who is a figure in the book, and John Huston started to make documentaries as well. So there there was this whole arm of of, of Hollywood working uh, uh, with the the. Uh, U.S. Army Signal Corps and working through the Signal Corps with, uh, with with people like George Marshall and ultimately FDR himself.
0: Well, and I mean, we could talk probably for hours about the, you know, the William Wellmans and the Howard Hawks. Uh, certainly yep. Frank Capra's Why We Fight uh, type of films did, I mean, book, chapter and verse what you just said. They demonstrated in some of them the anti-war sentiment they didn't run away from it they said one in 10 americans wanted to go to war 90 percent said no but after these other things happen now here's where we're at and they they were wonderful the smaller films like the fighting lady and like john Huston's uh the battle of san pietro also uh, just amazing works by hollywood's very 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 best talent we uh use those people now for commercials uh, but back back then, they used them for uh, for wonderful, wonderful documentaries. Um, being as this show is uh, emanating from Texas, uh, I think it would, it would before we talk about the, the great triumvirate of characters in your book of Ernie Pyle, John Houston, and Captain Henry Wasco. Um, another character, I, I guess we might say in the book is uh, the B&I companies of the one hundred and forty three. 3rd Regiment, 36th Infantry of the 5th Army, if I'm remembering all that correctly. Um, can you talk about the Texas boys and, and sort of uh, the flavor that they lend to the story and to the book?
1: Oh, yeah, crucial to the book. And uh, these were these were uh, companies that were first begun, and company, company I in Belton and uh, Company B in Maia and uh, uh they were uh drawn from the the small town boys who were just joined up prior to the war by and large they were they were national guardsmen and then they they were called to active duty and and uh, 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 uh sent off for training and and ultimately uh wound up in 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 First in North Africa for a little bit more training in the uh, spring of uh, 1943, but then they became the the force that invaded Italy in, in September 1943. The Texas 36th Division was uh, was was the leading component of uh, of the invasion of Salerno first in September of that year, and uh, and then they moved up the Italian Peninsula. Uh, and wound up at, uh, at San Pietro in December of that year, and and that's where the main component, the battle that I write about, is takes place in, uh, in the in the mountains around the village of San Pietro in December.
0: Well, your book uh, skillfully weaves all of these players into the narrative. Now, I am a native Hoosier uh, by birth, uh, so Ernie Pyle is no stranger to me but maybe you know folks these days not quite as familiar with him i don't want you to you know give away the whole book because people need to go and purchase this book for themselves or a friend for the holidays but can you give a little uh a quick sketch of ernie Pyle to those who might not know uh about him these days
1: ernie Pyle was uh was as you mentioned a, a hoosier born and bred uh, uh grew up uh, in a in a small town in indiana uh uh went off to the university studied journalism there and and then uh uh took his degree and went off to Washington DC where he became a copy editor for uh uh the Scripps Howard newspaper chain and uh he in the early 20s uh, he was he was copy editing with a, a level of dissatisfaction about his role and he decided uh, he he wanted to, to do a little bit more writing, and ultimately wound up as a one of the early uh, uh, experts on air travel. Which uh, this is that was the area era, era of, uh, of Lindbergh and company, and and uh, so he became an an air airline, an air uh, flying correspondent, and and from there he he moved into another uh, area of journalism he became a uh, sort of on the road travel correspondent he he wrote a uh, syndicated column for Scripps Howard that was called the uh, Hoosier Vagabond and it was it was quite popular but uh, it it was uh, his the popularity achieved as a travel correspondent was nothing compared to what he was about to uh, achieve in World War 2 and he he uh, went off uh, to first to to england in in the early days of the war and then and then traveled to North Africa soon after the invasion and uh, it was in North Africa that he first started to achieve immense popularity and his name really became a household word a uh, uh, household name across the country
0: and it was for these sort of um very earthy very genuine kind of sketches of the uh, you know smaller moments one might say of of being a soldier that he was noted for correct
1: yes he he was a remarkable uh, storyteller and and he he was he was a very small man thin framed and unassuming and and uh, he was able to ingratiate himself almost anywhere he went and he was he was uh, he could insert himself in in with the uh, combat soldiers and and uh, as as well as high command. But he was he he liked the, he 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 loved infantrymen, and he 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 sort of became uh, the the infantryman's columnist and reporter, and he 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 wrote about. Their everyday ha- habits. You wrote about what it was, what a bivouac was like, what a how they uh, how how they did the smallest of things, the, uh, how they did chores, what they ate, and and it turned out that this was the sort of reporting that that folks back home wanted. They wanted to know how the boys were doing, and and uh, so when they picked up an early pile column, they could. They could get a sense of what life was like. It wasn't all great uh, issues and great combats. It was, it was, it was young men in pup tents and young men sleeping. In foreign lands, and it was, uh, you, you know, it was there. It was uh, the the sons of, uh, of of Americans out out in the country, uh, and and they got a sense of what what their lives were like. The parents back home, the people back home, got a sense of what that life was like for for the boys overseas.
0: So we contrast Ernie Pyle and and the very homespun, you know, quiet moments. How a soldier. Uh, does his shaving kit and his helmet, or whatever, with John Huston, who is uh, on a huge wave of success in Hollywood, the director of Casablanca, and a pretty grandiose individual himself.
1: Yeah, he had just uh, he just finished making the Maltese Falcon uh, when and when when the war started, and the Maltese Falcon was his first. Uh, his first film and it was a huge success. He was being celebrated all over Hollywood uh, as, a, uh, as a young star director, and uh, uh, he, like uh, Capra and others, enlisted early on. and And uh, he was a character. He was he was very Hemingway-esque. You know, he'd traveled. he he'd done the the uh, Paris cafe thing. He'd he'd spent some time in mexico uh in in under circumstances that that uh have never been fully expl- explained he was in the <laughs> mexican army for a while and he, he wound up that he was a he was a hollywood playboy type and and uh um and and uh, you know he was he was a tall rangy, deep voiced and and uh, uh he was he was a character and and uh and he arrived in Italy uh after, from a uh a, a stint with Capra in London they were working on a on a film a documentary film about uh, uh the North African campaign that was really not to anybody 's liking, but uh, uh, Houston was given the assignment by uh, through Capra uh, from the Signal Corps to go to Italy to make a documentary and originally, the idea was he was going to make a grand documentary about the the u uh, s army entering into Rome and it would it was going to be a triumphal figure uh, uh, portrait but it, but it didn't turn out that way, and uh, that's that's part of the story in the book too.
0: Well, John Huston, uh, I guess after the uh, Battle of San Pietro was made and and receiving rave reviews, uh, was told that he had made an anti-war movie, and I, he had a, a what I consider to be a a, a very telling response.
1: Yeah, he said if I if I ever make a pro war movie oh boy, I just blanked on what the the do you remember what they uh Well I hope someone I, ever make
0: a, I hope someone shoots me, I think is what yes, he'd say.
1: Yes, yes. I hope someone shoots me if I ever make a pro war movie, he said.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh uh he he was um enlisted, correct? So he was a member of the signal corps himself.
1: He was enlisted and a member of the Signal Corps, yes and he he uh, uh, he was he had been in Alaska his first assignment was to make a, a documentary for the Signal Corps of the uh, uh, Aleutian campaign uh, and, and uh, he, he did he was he'd been up uh, with the pilots in the Aleutian Islands flying missions and shooting film uh, prior to getting called into this North African documentary with uh,
0: with capra well now the third player is just an amazing amazing individual uh like so many cap captains in world war ii uh just revered by his men but but uh the uh article that ernie Pyle writes about uh captain henry wasco is just to this day riveting can you talk about uh captain wasco
1: yeah captain Waska was a, a a young man uh he he was just a, a, a heart of the earth kind of guy from uh small town texas outside of belton uh he he was raised on a raised in a large family of uh, german descent and and uh uh, uh was uh a hard working uh went off to uh, did well in high school was a good student went off to junior college worked hard uh, in junior college and went off to uh got a got a uh, college degree from a four year institute and uh, and and uh, sometime in the midst of his college career he signed up for the the Texas National Guard and uh he was he was assigned to the 36th Division, and and it was there that uh, he was still he was still in the U.S. when he got promoted to uh, to, to captain, and he went overseas and was the captain of uh, uh, Company B in and, and uh, the 143rd uh, uh, of the 36th Division, and and uh, he was there at the, the invasion of Italy at he was he was not at salerno or he was at salerno briefly he wound up uh, fighting in a different uh, area of of that campaign he, he was uh, fighting on the sorrento peninsula alongside uh, uh, darby's rangers on, on the peninsula but uh, that in the early part of the campaign but then he moved along with the the division up the peninsula to to san pietro and and it was at san pietro that that he met his uh, ultimate fate.
0: Well, without uh, giving away the farm again, um, Ernie Pyle's account of, of Captain Wasco's demise and then the subsequent documentary about the battle, uh, maybe he isn't as well-known today, uh, Captain Wasco, but at the time, uh, it, it had a tremendous impact uh, back home. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Well, the the column itself uh, was uh, was an immediate success, an immediate uh, immediately published far and wide. By this time, Pyle was was the biggest syndicated columnist in the country, so he had a he had an audience already. But uh, uh, when Wasco met his uh, met his maker at at San Pietro. Uh, Bernie Pyle was there to see uh, this young soldier taken off the mountain, uh, and and he wrote a column that, is, as you indicated, it, it is just it remains moving and incredibly powerful to this day when it was published uh, in, in uh, uh, for the Scripps Howard paper columns. Uh, it, it was an immediate success, and everyone started to pick it up beyond uh, uh, the the Scripps Howard newspapers uh, it it was picked up by by newspapers across the country it was picked up by Time magazine it became uh, uh, reprinted in war bond drives it was it was uh, uh, the most widely printed column of the war and uh, but it 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 came to symbolize sort of the uh, the the state of of, uh, of uh, the war effort at the time it, people people understood that it was uh, that this was a hard hard fight and that the sacrifice was going to be dear uh, but I, I I think it also helped people understand that uh, 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 it, because of men like Henry Waskow, that it was ultimately going to be worth it. Uh, And and, uh, uh, I think that that was Pyle's intent with his words, too.
0: Well, and bringing the war directly in a personal, such an incredibly personal way, uh, that particular piece of prose just reaches out, and you are there uh, in that moment. It's incredibly touching, as you say, incredibly powerful, and in my mind, we have the famous photo from uh, Iwo Jima that kind of brought the, the folks to the you know the front lines. Well, in in words, I think that Ernie Pyle uh, column did the exact reverse. It brought the war directly back you know to them in, in prose. Uh, yeah. As as for the documentary, how did that? Uh, uh,
1: well the documentary yeah. had a little bit it had a different path it it, it was uh, it, it you know, as documentaries do it just took longer to produce and and uh, uh, Houston finished shooting the documentary in the weeks following uh san pietro took it back to the states for for editing and uh had by the it, it took to the fall of uh 1944 um, to uh, to present it to uh, the powers that be uh, to, for their reaction and and some in the high command of the US Army were were not exactly thrilled by what Houston had done it was uh, it, it, the documentary itself is a powerful statement about war you know it's it it shows it, it it, it shows combat soldiers in action there are, i i have to put a little asterisk on this because there are components of the documentary that that remain uh controversial today uh, there are there's some elements that were there that were shot after the after the battle and 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 there are quibbles about uh, uh about how the documentary was put together but, it, but it, it, nonetheless it remains a powerful documentary and it and it, and uh, the, the command of the US Army was, was not uniformly thrilled by it it actually took the uh, the intervention of, uh, of George Marshall himself to uh, to get the documentary uh, finished and shown to to uh, troops and and when it finally appeared, which wasn't until the, the spring of 1945, people understood that this was a great film. And uh, they, they, again, there were the, the film was a half hour. There it, it was a half hour long, which was cut from uh, uh, what what uh, Houston had originally intended. Uh, it, it was more closer to an hour. The army cut about half hour but that it, it still is a, a, a great and powerful film
0: well your book is just filled we we could talk for weeks i mean filled with personal accounts firsthand accounts uh you know the tiny moments observations and details that make a non-fiction account just a pleasure to read um can you describe the research process for the book
1: yeah, I, I, I spent about ten days down in Texas. I I, I was in Austin, and and uh, I was at uh, the uh, Texas Military Forces Museum, and I was at the the, the uh, thirty sixth uh, Division papers are at the, uh, um, the Texas Historical uh, Society Library, and, and uh, uh, so I was there, and I was at uh, um, Fort Mabry, and uh, did some research. Uh, I, I have a researcher at the National Archives who I work with, and and uh, together we we uh, got other components of the book from that area, and and there was some stuff from uh, uh, John Houston's papers are in Hollywood, uh, and uh, I, my, my brother actually lives there and did a little research for me out uh, in his papers. So it was a, uh, uh, it was a pretty far-flung exercise.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, the uh, results are on paper, though. I mean, it's it's uh, the book is vivid with multiple accounts, and uh, thank you so much for for going to the trouble because it's it's really made a, a a great work. Now, what was the importance, just briefly, of San Pietro and the fight for Purple Heart Valley? It was it was as it was called from a military standpoint.
1: Well, I'll be frank. There, there was no great importance, uh, the, it, which is, I think, part of the the, the uh, a component of the story. Uh, it was it was a, a stepping stone on the way to Rome, and and it, it was a it turned out to be a huge stepping stone. It was mm-hmm. it, it was literally a a big mountain of a stone uh, that that uh, slowed progress and. And it, it it came to a, a sort of epitomize the Italian campaign, which was uh, uh, always a campaign that was uh, there, there was always a great deal of ambivalence surrounding the Italian campaign, whether it was worth while to do and uh, how it should be pursued. And, I, and in my mind, Saint San Pietro sort of epitomized the, the, that sort of ambiguity and and and. The, the book kind of tells a story of of uh, of, uh, of uh, heroic frustrations and and uh, uh, difficulty the difficulties of of the uh, Italian campaign. Uh,
0: what do you think the lasting impact of of the story is? Uh, or what did you what have you what did you take away from what happened and uh, maybe how it kind of changed the war or people's viewpoint uh,
1: that's a good question i i i think that it was uh, it, it was smack dab in the middle of the war and and uh, uh, the, the american uh, side of the war and, and i think that it uh, it, it the the uh, piles column the story of henry wasco uh, sort of Crystallized as I as I mentioned before, this this notion that uh, that there was there was more to come. It was going to be hard. It was going to be difficult, but uh, and and there were sacrifices that that were being made and and would continue to be made. But somehow this was all going to be worthwhile. Somehow this had this this was uh, it was all it, it was all a, a necessary part of the great, uh, uh, the great war effort.
0: What, uh, was your favorite thing about writing the book?
1: Well, uh, boy, I, that, that too is a good question. I, I, I guess I, I, you know, I do like the Hollywood stuff and I, I, and I actually, when I first uh, started writing the book, it, there, uh, there was more Hollywood stuff in it, and and I kind of moved away from it because it it was too much uh, technical uh, Hollywood stuff. But I I do I I am attracted to that story of uh, of uh, Hollywood involvement in in uh, World War II.
0: I love all the media stories. There was an art teacher that lived down the street from me that when he was in the war, he was uh, assigned to draw things, illust- you know, because cameras, uh-huh. photography expense. So he basically was attached to a unit, and he had all of the original eggshell-type illustration stuff there and would just draw Italian women, washing. The GIs would give him cigarettes. They'd wash their clothes. Anything he could see, he drew. And so the aspects of Ernie Pyle in your story just... Uh, Wonderful work, sir. Okay, we're ready for the lightning round, where I ask you a bunch of very simple, quick questions. You may have uh, answered some of them already, and you don't have to answer any of them if you don't want to. All right. All right. Uh, what was the first car you ever owned? Tinto. <laughs> Me too. That is correct. Um, <laughs> what is your first? Uh, what? Sorry. What is your favorite World War II movie?
1: Oh, you know, it's got to sink to Bismarck. That was the first one I ever saw.
0: Beautiful. That is correct. Uh, do you have a subject for your next book?
1: I do. I'm kind of hesitant to say it. You don't have can to. I, can I just, World War Two? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, Western Civilization. That is correct. Yeah. Uh, if a death in San Pietro gets made into a movie, who would play you in the movie?
1: Uh, gosh. I, I, I can't think who would play me. I, um, boy, I'm I got a pass.
0: Okay, uh, that is correct. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite thing about Texas?
1: My favorite thing about Texas, I, I, I guess I got to say Austin.
0: That is correct. Um, What is the first record album you ever bought with your own money?
1: Oh, boy. Um, It wasn't an album. It was a... a,
0: uh, A Eight-track?
1: No, 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 no. I'm older than that. It was a a little 45. Um, Love is Blue.
0: That is correct, and I do remember the 45. Um, If you could only take one book on a desert island, not one of yours, what would the book be? Oh, boy. Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy.
1: There's so many. Oh, gosh. I got to pass. Sorry about that. that. That
0: is correct. There are too many um and and by the way that is the correct answer there's just too many um how can people learn more about you and how can they get a death in San Pietro
1: uh they can learn more about me uh there there's a website called a they can learn more about me there and they can buy a death in San Pietro at the uh, amazon barnes and noble any place uh really any any let's say any quality bookstore <laughs> <across the
0: country. laughs> all right and i will have a link to that a death in san pietro uh website on my site so if people are right. listening to the podcast and they don't know how to spell pietro just go to the uh go to my website well it is a wonderfully written account of a truly fascinating story i don't think we probably can do it justice in a single podcast but we're highly enthusiastic about Tim Brady's latest book a Death in San Pietro if you are a fan of Texas of Ernie Pyle, John Houston, historical accounts, mass media or just well-written nonfiction uh, you'll want this one for yourself or for a friend you know thank you so much for spending your very valuable time with us today mr. Brady.
1: well thank you for those kind words and it's been a, it's been a pleasure. Ladies, there's still a shortage of fats to make
2: soap. So save and sell every pound of used kitchen fats. And remember, you get more money for used fat today, so keep saving it and keep selling it. Waste fat makes soap. So don't waste waste fat. Fill a tin and turn it in. Ladies and gentlemen, may I call a spade a spade and stop being an entertainer? When this war came, our soldiers left their homes to defend yours. You stayed comfortably in your own home during the war with a roof over your head. They lived in foxholes, if they lived. Now, these veterans can't find homes to live in. Remember, if it weren't for them leaving their homes to protect yours, you might not have yours right now. So give them a break, will you? Good night.
0: like to thank author Tim Brady for taking the time to speak with us. Uh, just an absolutely riveting book. Go out and get A Death in San Pietro for yourself or for someone who loves non-fiction like I do, historical nonfiction. Oh, and uh, thanks as always to the good people at DiCapo Press. Check out all of their offerings. There is guaranteed to be a selection that screams out to you, own me now. And that's just my opinion, but but it's probably accurate. Folks, we'd appreciate it if you'd share this on your various Facebook pages. Trying to spread the word means trying to spread our little show here. We'd appreciate it if you'd like the Tom Gully Show. Not me, but the show on Facebook, too, if the mood strikes you. And, of course, there's always the TomGullyShow.com. Plus, you can always subscribe for free on iTunes. If it's free, it's for me. Follow us on Twitter at Atomic Palooka as well, so I can increase my clout and cred ratings. Because if I get enough points... We're all going to go to the Aces. That'll do it for tonight. I'm out of here. i got to go talk to some people. I'll talk to you much later. Each night, Jay Johnson brings us in with the Truth Wagon. Go to jjohnsonmusic.com and check out all of his stuff. And each night, we take you out with Catch-22 Blues by the Hitman Blues Band. We're going to do it again tonight, and we will see you next time.
1: Well, the- but can't lift a twig for a dog that's nothing big, but he don't want to. And the dog can't grab a cat. Or a raccoon can do all that, but he don't want to. And I dream of you at night while you hold your baby tight, but he don't want you. You can see it in his eyes from the